Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with the Moynihan Dynasty. And we will find out uh, how they do hobby and their enjoyment. Thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsi.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Welcome, Palmer and Mike Moynihan, baseball collector. Thanks for having us, Dr. Beckett. Been wanting to do this for a long time, but what, what's this shallow end of the gene pool thing, Palmer? You can only use words like that with your son <laughs> when he's got a pretty good self-image. Mike has never been the shy type, and he's always had a very good idea of what he can do, and he's proven it to be... Uh, a good thing. And I have a good sense of humor about myself and I can take a little self-deprecating <laughs> okay. humor, especially from my dad. It, 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 I think it's just funny. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but uh, I'm trying to turn it into a compliment in some way. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, we did. we did it just for giggles, literally just so people might hear it and go, that was pretty funny. We did it literally off the cuff. Remember yeah. That? And he told me to use my best baso voice and try to really come on as an old time announcer, perhaps a Mel Allen type character or something. What ways do you enjoy the hobby together? Mike's a, a YouTube celebrity involved in collecting and dealing. What's your part in that, Palmer? Are you going to tell about the gene that we share? You definitely need the, to address that. The gene that we share is uh, one of hoarding or wanting to know about different kinds of subjects. In my case, hand tools is where it all started. Stanley hand tools was my first and still is a lasting passion. But when I was 25, 30 years old and used to have him and his brother and sister going to the flea markets with me so we could give mama some time to herself on Saturday mornings, they would be my little tool carriers. And I would, we were your Sherpas. Yeah. yeah. It was don't get lost from me because I really don't want to lose you. They knew I wasn't kidding. You know, are you going out to Canton or places like Canton? This is Weatherford, Canton. Those, those are huge. Yeah. Back then you could buy old Stanley. This is early eighties mm -hmm. and you could buy planes and old hand tools for extra lunch money. It just uh, didn't cost much. That was the same for cards back then. Too. Yeah, Actually, that's true. Remember when you were there at these at Weatherford, Canton, those places where you had one eye out for cards and memorabilia, or were you just following your I always there? wanted to go look at cards. I remember when we were driving through Calgary, Alberta, yeah. and uh, you, there's a card shop. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> just wherever we'd see that. Yeah. I said, I don't know this town. I'm going to get lost. And we didn't go see that. I would literally, when we go on road trips, so me and my dad and my brother, we'd drive around the country, great memories as a kid. Yeah. And I'd go to a town, I would look for a baseball card shop that we could stop at. But his influence on me, collecting wise, was making a love for the game of baseball was really his biggest mm -hmm. influence. The collecting gene was just natural. Like he said, he passed it on to me. It just happened. I directed that not necessarily towards hand tools but sports cards and specifically baseball cards. And we would buy at flea markets or whatever. If we saw a box of 82 Donruss, then, Hey dad, can I have a pack? And we'd buy a pack. And again, not thinking about value, not thinking about anything other than just wanting to accumulate them. I started collecting in 81. I specifically remember putting cards on the floor and laying them out and putting them in shoe boxes and not caring. Condition wasn't really Very similar to what I did with the planes and reading Alvin Seller's book on Stanley planes, for instance, and knowing every page verbatim still to this day, I think I could, if you held up a plane and said, Oh, that's a number 78, you've got 
got there. And most people would say, how in the world do you know that? You haven't studied that since you were 30, but I still remember it at 72. The similarities between the sports card world, the collector mindset is a real thing. The only difference I see, though, is that in the tools, they're definitely means to an end. The tools are for another purpose. The tools were intended to help you make something. Yes. Cards seem to be the end in and of themselves. Yet, as Mike is saying, if you meld that with the love of baseball, then it's representational and it signifies a lot more like the tools do. To the average layman, a tool is to make something, but to somebody like me or my son, it is also a love of the engineering that went into it, rarity of it, very similar to card collecting. But yes, I love one of my dad's in his shop, which he still does woodworking. Obviously, he and I have done some projects for me to help my collecting along over the years he has a sign that says the best thing I make with these tools is friends. That's not dissimilar from the hobby, right? That's wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) It is. That's something he's instilled in me, which has made me want to be a part of the card community as much as I'm involved. And it's the hugest part of it. If you have all this stuff and you can't share it with anyone, what is the point? Why not let other people enjoy it? Which is why I've always been pretty open about letting people come over and see the collection and share it with other people that have the same passion or people that come over and have no idea about cards and are like, you're an absolute idiot. (laughs) They they basically say, you're crazy. Your wife must be a saint. And of course she is. Uh, Well, one of the questions that people always ask is to the son, what did you learn from your dad? But I want to start with Palmer. What what did you learn from your son, Mike? That he really had a love of baseball. And it just so happened that I worked in the world of television. And it brought Mike and I together because he loved to go to the ballpark with me when I'd be televising. It all started out with the New York Yankees and Don Carney was their original uh, director of television. He would travel from New York City, come to this new Texas Rangers thing, which I happened to just luck into working at a television station, why they call around and say, can you come out and run camera for us this evening on tonight's game? It starts at 7.30. Be here at 6. Great. That was just perfect. I got off at 5. And so Mike ended up going with me oftentimes because he loved it. And then once again, I got the camera job of being up in the booth. That was even better because we got to meet people like the Scooter, Phil Rizzuto, or Al Kaline and Harmon Killebrew and... Yeah. Mickey Mantle and you name it. I grew up with that. It was just normal. He taught me that this is really cool for me to do my job as a camera operator. I couldn't be put off by these big names. Mickey Mantle's in the room. Well, so what? I got a camera to run here and I don't want to miss this fly ball to the outfield. That was my job. I was pretty strack about that actually on the other hand he taught me getting to take mr october down to the booth for after game interviews that was his job because he knew the way down to a clubhouse it worked out pretty well and it just fueled my passion and and for the game and it taught me how cool it really was and i guess it helped me control him a little bit when you've got three kids that are all vying for a section of your love and kids have a way of dividing up how much love there is and taking their share, hopefully in a positive way, not a negative way. 
he taught me this could be one positive way to uh, have a relationship with your son and not have to do the hammer coming down all the time. I didn't have to be that guy. Although sometimes I'd come home and his mom would say, he has just been terrible today. And we'd have to, basically, I had a shop in the backyard. And it always started with a piece of wood, maybe about this long, a piece of two by six. They don't need to hear this story. No, sure. I'm so sure. I'm sure it's a beautiful handcrafted paddle I've ever seen. It was a paddle that I, I just let him sweat bullets over there watching me make this thing. That wasn't the important part. After we did the deed, he came across my knees and I gave him five whacks or whatever it was. Boy, the SPCA would really be coming down on me if they only knew that I had treated my child this way. You mean CPS, not the SPCA. I thought you were an animal. (laughs) (laughs) But the important part was whether it was summertime or wintertime, I had an old pot-bellied stove in the middle of the shop and we made a fire. And we burned that pedal because the lesson really is we're not going to need this pedal anymore, are we? (laughs) I made several. That's an important father-son relationship, personally. And I never felt like I I deserved every one I got, and probably a bunch more where he showed some grace and mercy. But uh, you're a twin, so what's going on in the twin aspect there? Where you? He was the pitcher brother that went the baseball route or of the twins i always wanted them to play for the minnesota twins here's the catcher matt's the pitcher he's a left-handed pitcher who when he started out little league through and and the coach that we had which was an absolute angel of a guy named alney kelly he said we just take a, a young man that throws that way and turn him into a side armor and and Mike, right-handed, had plenty of, you know, uh, visions of how a guy should throw a baseball. But left-handers don't necessarily have the same uh, view of the world. You're speaking to a, a lefty right here. Oh, okay. I always thought it was an advantage. Were you a left-handed you're, pitcher? You're, you're popping that bubble. Apparently, it was a disadvantage all these years. I didn't know that. Two inches taller, roughly, and uh, thin left-handed, and it looked like it was coming in from uh, first base. Yeah, he threw multiple arm angles. He was, I was his catcher, so we we had a great and they had career. They both had ESPN with one another. Calling signs was only more for <laughs> They got that in their bunk beds at night. They right. would say, game situation, and they just, throw a slider on. There wasn't any of the old Jim Sundberg stuff, no. Mike, what have you learned from your dad? Passion something I've gleaned from him. My dad has an incredible work ethic. And I think in my collecting, you have to work hard to find the cards that you want to add. You got to put some time into it and dedicate yourself to it. If, if that's something you really care about, if you don't, it'll, it'll show through. If anybody sees my collection, if they don't see that I have a passion for it, then they're missing something. And I've gleaned a lot of that from him. For sure. There's a best way to do them. It's just like with the tools and there's a best way to do something. And then there's a shortcut way. Mm-hmm. Take the shortcut way, everybody would be doing it if it was the same quality. But many times that shortcut is skipping a step. For sure. It sounds like neither one of y'all do that in, in your pursuits. So he can have craftsmanship in the job of card collecting. Craftsmanship. The problems in the industry is in YouTube and podcasts maybe gets at this a little bit, but there's not as much of an apprenticeship orientation. You're just supposed to pick it up. 
In the old days, yeah. the more experienced people brought along the apprentice and it wasn't just reading a book. They observed the craftsmanship. One nice word you can use for that is mentoring. I had four great mentors in my life, men that stood tall and proud and made me what I am. I think it handed down to to Mike here. You've been a mentor to me, Dr. Beckett, unbeknownst to you, just (laughs) reading your stuff and all the things you've contributed to the hobby. It was a mentorship to me in a way every month when I would- Long distance. Long distance. That's right. (laughs) So thank you for that, by the way. Can I, you've heard, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. But have you heard the converse of that? If it's not worth doing, it's not worth doing well. In other words, don't do it (laughs) unless you're going to do it well. Uh, But too many people apply the same effort to all jobs, even those that really shouldn't even be done. It's like Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. Mike has an idea of where he's going with his collection, and he's going to do what he does very well. But you've got to be able to say, no, I actually, I don't collect football or I don't collect soccer because I'm not a perfectionist, but most people have a certain standard. And if your standards are perfection, that's a recipe for frustration. If you have high standards and they're achievable with hard work, then to me, that's very satisfying. And sometimes I wonder just how limitless, it's not just baseball cards that you're into. There's other things like uh, golf every day. I have a twelve thirty two time today. As a matter of fact, so yeah, um, we're not talking just during the summer. It's a year round. Well, it should permeate your life, right? It's the way I look at my career, and I've persevered there, and and yeah. just it's he's persevered in a career that I told him, man, you ought to give up on this. Just go out and make some real money. Boy, did he prove me wrong. <laughs> um, I'm very proud of it's an expensive the, hobby if you've got taste like Mike does. For, <laughs> for, for yeah, the but when you can afford it, it's a good thing. I'm very proud of his ability to earn a living and provide for his family. He's done a very good job. Back to the point of that idea of doing it again, uh-huh. that's not just in one thing in your life. It's either part of who you are. Yeah, I do it all that way. This, but that comes from you. And mom, and maybe your mom had quite a bit more than, well, come what on. What are you doing next Mother's Day? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, yeah. Blessed to uh, connect with you all today and uh, hope you have a wonderful Father's Day. And again, listeners, honor your dad on Father's Day. Honor your mother on Mother's Day, as Palmer said, too. Don't forget about that. Even though that was last month, maybe you should do that more than once a year. Yes, <laughs> you should. Same thing with dad. So. Thanks, guys. Uh, We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode.